Lord, we, um, we thank you that even though the power may go off at some times, Lord, you, you never leave us. You're never gone. You're always with us. And you always care. There is no end to how much you care. And, and we praise your name for that today. Lord, thank you for being with us. And we ask that you will please bless this service, bless the service to come, bless the singing, bless the fellowship. Please um, be with the Sunday schools, Lord, and the teachers there. And we ask that your name will be glorified there, that the kids will learn more about you, that we may learn more about you and get to love you more. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. Amen. Amen. All right, so the Sunday school classes are dismissed. Um, Gary, do you know, do we have a, the older age Sunday school class? Do we have a class for that today? I'm not aware because I know Janae is not here today. Will you check? Okay, thanks. Thanks. All right, the rest of us, let's turn our Bibles to First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. And uh, we'll continue our study there today. You will remember that last time we did, that was last week, First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 to 7, and today we'll continue in verse 8. All right, First Peter chapter 3, and let's read verse 8. He says there, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, all right, let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, I, I just want to, before I, before I kick off and before we start there in verse 8 again, um, I did want to mention somebody, uh, Brother Agrippa, some of you may know him, that's currently in Zimbabwe. He sent me a message throughout this week. And uh, you'll remember that there in, where was that, verse 6, or let's read verse 5 again. I just wanted to give you this information. But he says there, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. And I sort of made a, made a joke about, you know, hus- or wives that should be calling their husbands Lord. And he told me that, no, actually, where he's at and some of the other cultures he's seen, they still do that today. You know, African cultures, the, the wives, um, I can't remember the words that he used. I should have written them down. I'm sorry. But the words that they used to, to address their husbands actually means my Lord. So that was, that was interesting to me. I, I, I really appreciated that. But let's look at verse 8. Paul starts off by saying, finally, you know. And we, when we started this chapter off in, in verse 1, he said, likewise. And I explained last week how the word likewise is, is used to connect two pieces together, you know. You, you should always remember what came before that so that you can understand what came after that. And this word uh, and the same goes for therefore, you know, in terms like that. And then this word finally is the same type of idea 
you need to keep in mind whatever came before this so that you can understand what comes in this final section when, when somebody says finally. Now, by saying finally, he is trying to connect the, the first part, well, at, at least whatever came before what he's saying now to what he's going to say next. And when you find that in the Bible, it may be some sort of underlining, um, you know, of uh, let's just take everything together. Let's conclude this thought that we're looking at. Maybe put it in a nutshell or just some final thoughts on this, you know. That's the sort of idea, the sort of thing that we find in the Bible. So those are just some ways to use that word in the Bible. But here, I believe, Peter is using it to just finish off this section that he actually started off back in chapter 2 and verse 11, and, and he's giving some final instruction to that regard. Let's just look at chapter 2, verse 11 again. Uh, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, which they... Um, oh, sorry. As evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so those verses that we just read set the stage for everything that came after them. And Peter wanted us to know that even though we are strangers and pilgrims in this world, we don't really belong here. You know, we're aliens in this place. We're just passing through on our way to heaven to a much better place to live. Even though that is true, we should still... Um, we, we still have a responsibility to live right in this world that we find ourselves in right now in, in order to be functioning members of this society uh, that we find ourselves in. And that's, that's very important. And it all has to do, and we've, we've talked about this before, it all has to do with your testimony and winning people to Christ. We have a responsibility to live honest lives and have good testimonies among the unbelievers of the world. That's where Peter refers to the Gentiles. That's the unbelievers of this world. So that, he says, God may be glorified by them in the day of judgment because of the works that they saw us do. <laughs> and of course, uh, I think the point is also that, that we can ultimately win them to Christ. That's another way that they can glorify God by the works that you did is because, because your testimony may have moved them to finally go to Christ. A wonderful way to glorify Christ. And I, I think that's the, the preferable way that they will glorify Christ in that day. And so Peter continued to explain that Christians should be living a godly life in this, well, I want to say godless world, you know, a world that doesn't necessarily appreciate the beliefs of Christians or Christianity and that may actually outright oppress Christians. Well, you still need to live a godly life. And we looked at the instructions that he gave um, about those things, but just as a summary, in chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, he spoke about how Christians should function in civil society. You know, you remember we spoke about government and, and all of their ordinances. And then from chapter 2, verse 18 down to 25, he spoke about how a Christian should be submitting to his employer, and how that relationship works. And then last week we looked at chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, as I said, we speak, where Peter speaks about how somebody that is married, you know, should or can actually win their spouse to Christ. You know, a, a married woman that is married to an unsaved husband 
um, can still actually win that husband and she should still fulfill her role in that marriage in order to win her husband, and vice versa. You know, but, um, there in verse 7, uh, Peter also gave instruction to husbands that are married to unsaved wives, and that they should also f- still fulfill their roles in that marriage, even though they're um, married to an unbeliever. So that, like I said, with the ultimate goal of winning them to Christ. And so with all of that as background, Peter now says here in verse 8, finally. <laughs> so in conclusion of all of this, before we move on to the next point, okay, he's not finished with this, with this letter. As you can see, we still go to chapter 5, verse 14. So there's quite some um, road to cover here still. But in conclusion of all of this, he says, be ye all of one mind. So he calls believers to be united. To be of one mind means to think the same way. I think you can, you can get that from the verse. And, and this is definitely not the first or the only time that you will find an instruction like this in the Bible. All right? we, we see that over and over again, that believers should be like-minded. Now, to be like-minded is not only to more or less agree on some theory, all right? It, it actually goes much deeper than that. It is to have the same heart about something, to, to move together in the same direction. You know, it, it means we have the same mission, and we all want to achieve you know, that goal. That, that's what it is to be like-minded, and that's what Peter is talking about here. The opposite of being like-minded is, of course, to be in conflict with, with each other. And Christians shouldn't be in conflict with each other. At all, we should be like-minded, you know, regardless of the circumstances or the differences between those Christians. They should not be in conflict. You see, these Christians that Peter was initially um, writing this epistle to were undergoing some violent and really intense persecution in this. Time. I don't know uh, if you can remember back when we first started First Peter. Um, I explained all of that to you. But as you can imagine, it was an extremely stressful time for a person, for a Christian, you know, undergoing all of that. It must have been very stressful, and that's uh, part of the reason why Peter wrote this epistle to them. And I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed out, my fuse is about that long. (laughs) All right? Just for some reason. Isn't that how we are? You know, some of you have more grace than me, but... um, it's just then when you get irritated, you know, every little thing can just set you off. That's just how we get. But Peter says, even then, even in these horrible circumstances, Christians are still to be like-minded. Believe the same things. They must want the same things and be on the same mission, have the same goal in mind to where they're going. And it is through this unity or this like-mindedness that we as the church can actually finally have an impact in this world. And I believe that this is only possible if there is genuine love amongst believers. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 13 verse 34, I'm just going to read it to you. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. And then in verse 35 he says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, 
if ye have love one to another. That is the way that the world will actually see, oh, we belong to God. We belong to the one true God because we love one another. Can you just imagine if there's this constant bickering and infighting and all of that? What kind of testimony does that send out into the world? It definitely won't look like we're disciples of Christ himself. Our testimony as the church of Jesus is reliant on us loving each other. You know, according to Jesus, that is how the world will know that, that we are his disciples. Like he said there in verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And I believe this, this love, like I said, goes hand in hand with actually being unified um, as the body of Christ. We should all be of one mind. We should, should be like-minded, as Peter says here. You see, think about this. If the church is the body of Christ. Okay, just picture this in your mind for a moment. The church is the body of Christ. And Christ is the head of that body. Alright? Then that means that there is only one mind in this body, isn't it? And the whole body, this whole thing, this whole thing, should yield to whatever this mind tells it to do. Alright? And it's only then, if we yield to his mind, to what he thinks about things, that we will actually be able to function correctly as a church. And, and when I say church, all right, you, you get what I'm saying. It does include the local church, but I'm talking about the universal church of Christ, the, everybody that's in the body of Christ. But folks, we need to realize that we won't always agree about everything. <laughs> all right? As I hear, that's how many... Uh, differences in opinions we will find <laughs> at the end of the day. But we all need to agree on the essentials. I think, I think you will agree with me on, on that. And when I say that, I'm obviously referring to what the Bible tells us. That's, that's the essentials. That, that gives us the boundary. That is where we find that objective standard of God, what God expects from us and how He wants us to, to operate and handle such, certain situations. And if we can all agree on this, that this is, I want to almost say neutral ground, you know, on, on which we will unify our church or the church, then we, only then we will be able to be of one mind. Because isn't this the mind of Christ? <laughs> you know, the, this, is, this is his thoughts. This is the stuff he wants us to know. And I believe that that is how he wants us to unify. Now next... Uh, Peter says here, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. The, having compassion means to have sympathy uh, towards each other. Now, sympathy is when you share the feelings of somebody else. All right? That some part in the word sympathy actually means together. So, so we're feeling this together. That, that is sympathy. And as Christians... We should not only unite around the truth, but we are called to have sympathy or compassion with each other. To rejoice with those that rejoice in Christ and to weep with those that are weeping. We must share all of that with each other. You know, but to think about this. How will anybody be able to share either your joy or your sorrow if you never t tell them about it? <laughs> Isn't that impossible? You know, it's, it's an impossible expectation uh, to have of anybody. 
you, you just can't do that. But sometimes, you know, people do get upset because they feel, well, the church does, just doesn't care about me. Uh, I'm going through this and that. <laughs> Nobody's even contacting me. Folks, how can I contact you if I don't know about that, if you've never told me about that? How, how, how can I do that? How do you expect anybody to have sympathy with your situation if they're not aware about it? Peter says that we should be all of one mind, but he doesn't say that we should read each other's minds. <laughs> all right? That's, there's a difference. He says that we should have compassion one with another. So I want to ask you, if, if you're going through something, return the favor. All right? Have compassion with me or, or the rest of the church as well, you know, and perhaps let them know of what, what you're going through. Perhaps tell them you need some help. Maybe you need some prayer. Maybe, maybe you need some physical help, you know. Help me carry this fridge or whatever it may be. Let us know. That's what we're here for. We, we should be here for each other. You know, I, I, I wondered actually if I sh- should tell this and even though I'm not sure, but I'm going to t- tell this story <laughs> anyway. Um, but a few years ago, uh, those of you that know my family, Ben, my, my older boy, uh, he was still a baby. I think he was like six months old. And um, Brother Mike actually announced in church that, well, we'll be moving uh, you know, down the street from where we used to live. And if anybody would like to help. I know some of you were there. <laughs> um, and then on that Saturday... A whole bunch of people showed up there. I was so surprised because, you know, you can just imagine, you know, I've, I've basically got my in-laws and, and my, I think my parents were there as well. And um, I've got Pietru with a little baby in her arms. She, she can't barely do anything. She can just direct traffic. That's, that's all she can do. Put the couch there, put that thing there. And the church showed up. <laughs> and, and we were done moving our house. All right, let me just say this. Everything was moved down the street to our new house, and um, everything was cleaned in the old house. The windows were washed. <laughs> All, right. All of that was done within two hours. I think I carried one thing, or I just sort of helped carry. I said, let me just help, but everybody just picked it up. When I arrived at the new house, everything was set up. That was amazing. That's how we should care for each other. I've experienced that, and I hope you experience that as well, at least in this church. But we should be like that with all believers, even though we may not agree on every single thing. We should be like that with each other, you know. Uh, Peter says here that we should have compassion one of another, you know. And and Paul sort of echoes something like that in Galatians 6 verse 2, where he says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We should be ready to bear each other's burdens. Whatever the burden may be, whether it's moving a house, maybe lost a loved one, maybe going through some difficult time, whatever it may be, we should help each other with that. But folks, I can't do that if I don't know about it. So let's share in each other's joys and sorrows. I'm not talking about walking around complaining to everybody, oh, this is going so bad, you know, my life is so horrible. Or this. That's not the point. That's, that's not the point, and I hope you're getting that this morning. Um, the Bible also tells us not to complain the whole time, all right? But, but let's share our burdens. Let's help each other with it. Today you'll help me, tomorrow I'll help you again. 
that's, that's, that's how it should work. That's how a church should function. Let's share that with each other. And, and if you become aware of something that somebody is going through, don't be indifferent, you know. Don't be towards that. Um, that's the opposite of having compassion, isn't it? It's, it's to be insensitive or indifferent. But let's come in beside them and help them carry that burden. Um, I think that's a wonderful way to actually demonstrate love towards a believer or a fellow believer. Rather. Peter continues and he says, um, now let's read the entire verse again. He says, finally, be one mind, having compassion one of another, and love as brethren. Love as brethren. That's a special type of love, you know. That's the, that's the same type of love that you will find among people that have some sort of, or, or that are closely related in some way. That's the type of love, you know. It's the type of love that honestly wants the best for the other person. And there's nothing fake about it, you know, when you love that way. There's, there's no fake part about it. And, and you know that you love the brethren this way. I think one, one test for that is if you find yourself praying for a brother or sister. I, I think that's a great way to actually show your love towards them, even if they don't know you're praying for them. <laughs> You can still uh, prove your love like that. Another way is if you are always ready to forgive each other. That's part of loving the brethren or loving as a brother is to be ready to forgive. Um, I'm thinking of, of little kids, you know. We've all been kids. You know? I have kids, but we've all been kids. And maybe some of you have brothers or sisters or, or, or just friends, you know. You remember you'll get in a fight uh, about something, some nonsense, you know. You'll just get in a fight or, or, or whatever. And how long does it take you to get over that? <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a ball. Let's go play. <laughs> and then you're over it. Be ready to forgive. Be ready to forgive. You know, we should be ready to forgive because we know how much Christ forgive, forgave us. That, that's the basis for this, I, I think. You know, it, it is the, this is the type of love that will move one believer to go and help out another believer when they are struggling with, well, let's say sin, or if they have to be reprimanded about something. That's difficult to do, but that's, that's, that's love. It is the type of love that believers show each other by building each other up in the faith. Don't just leave that to the pastor or whatever preacher is standing up here. We can build each other up in the faith. Or even just by helping each other, like I said, with physical things. That's, that's a great way to show your love. There are so many examples that we can think of here and to, to name, you know, but, but I, I think you're starting to get the picture. So let me ask you this. Do you think about fellow believers as your family in the faith? I realize we're not all blood relatives, all right? I have four blood, blood relatives in this church, <laughs> all right? That's my my close family. But we, we should think of each other as family in the faith. And that's how we should love each other. You know, perhaps it's been a while since you've showed this type of affection uh, or selfless service to a fellow believer. And if you're thinking that day, maybe it's time to start again. Um, just open up your eyes and your ears and you will find some way to help somebody. All right? We, we all have something to offer to a brother or a sister. Uh, Peter continues after saying love is brethren. He's saying, 
be pitiful. Now, this goes a little bit further than, than having compassion on each other. All right? It speak, speaks about being so affected by the pain of, other, of others that you are deeply moved by it. Much like how Jesus was moved at the, uh, at the scene, you know, at the grave of Lazarus. Do you remember that, what happened there? In, in John 11, verse 33, we read how Jesus came to the grave and he saw Mary there. She was weeping, you know, and he saw the, the other Jews that were gathered, gathered there at the grave and, and they were weeping. And they really loved Lazarus, you know, and, and, and they were obviously weeping because of this great loss that they are suffering. Um, some of you have gone through that as well. And so when Jesus saw that, the Bible says that he groaned in his spirit. He groaned in the spirit and he was troubled, John tells us there. So much so that he even stood there and he wept. He wept because he felt the pain that, that those that stood at the grave felt. He had pity on them. Folks, that is how we should be pitiful, as Peter says here. It's part of caring for each other, truly caring, truly loving each other. Um, and lastly, in this verse, after saying be pitiful, he says, be courteous. Be courteous. I actually had to look up the pronunciation of that. So this is a pro tip. If you don't know how to pronounce something, you can actually Google it these days and say, oh, it will play a sound bite of how to pronounce this word. <laughs> Just saying, it may help you, all right? <laughs> but, but folks, to be courteous is to be polite, polite and respectful towards each other, you know, and, and to be considerate of people. And it, it also means to be friendly towards each other. I think that's simple enough um, to implement, you know. You can, you can start that one today. After the service, you can be friendly. You can be courteous. As Christians... We are to care for each other, truly care for each other. And I, even, even one of us, oh, sorry, each one of us has something or some way that we can help each other. I know some of you are sitting here thinking, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing. You do. <laughs> Folks, you don't realize what you've been equipped with. Honestly, you don't. Just... Uh, I think the first step is just caring enough to actually try to help somewhere. Even, even if you think there's nothing else, you can help somebody carry something, can't you? Yeah, there, there's always something you can do. Or perhaps you're thinking to yourself, well, I barely know these people. Okay, that's a start. At least you know that, all right? And we know how to fix that. <laughs> you know what to do. Get to know some of these people. You know, we're going to have some time here between the services. Maybe walk across, you know, and just shake somebody's hand. Ask their name. Or, what are you doing for a living? You know, whatever. Just spark up a conversation, you know. Now, sure, you may not be able to get to know everybody on a very personal level here in the church. That's, that's fine. But you can get to know some of them, can't you? And you may not even like everybody that you meet. <laughs> Right? That's going to happen. That's natural. You know, some personalities just don't get along. And that's fine. You know, we are not called to like everybody. But we are called to love everybody. There's a difference there. You can't love somebody that you don't really like. <laughs> All right? 
but I'll let you figure that one out. <laughs> but, but we should be of one mind, and each one of us need to fulfill our part in this. You can't just leave this to somebody else the whole time. Stop doing that. Each one of us has a part in this. Now, notice that all of the things that, that Peter mentions here in verse 8 work together. By being of one mind, we will have compassion with each other. Uh, we will love each other, we will be pitiful, and we will be courteous towards each other. They all go together, and, and perhaps you haven't been doing very well on one or two or maybe all of these things. Well, it's not too late to start. <laughs> you can repent today and ask the Lord to help you in these areas, to grow in these areas. And then put in an honest effort to really start to fulfill your role in this. Like I said, we each have a role to play. And then when you're done with that, see, see which, which of these things you can actually start to apply to unbelievers as well. You know, we can have compassion on them, all right? We can love them. We can be pitiful. We can be courteous towards unbelievers. We can help them carry burdens. Of course we can. In fact, I think we should. <laughs> we should be all of those things to unbelievers. Um, because that's a big part in actually winning them to Christ. Much of that is what Jesus actually did when he was here on earth. So we have a great example there. Let's turn to verse 9. Sorry, I'm just going to get a drink. He continues saying, not rendering evil for evil. Now, I think this is a fairly self-explanatory statement, not rendering evil for evil. Uh, we actually find something like this repeated a few times in Scripture. But Peter is saying, if somebody is doing something evil against you, well, then you shouldn't do an evil thing to them in return. That, that, that's what that means, not rendering evil for evil. You should not try to get even with them. But let's think about what he is saying here, because that's what we're here for, isn't it? <laughs> let's think about this. He says, no matter how somebody treats you, and you can think of the implications there, you should not be seeking revenge against them. This evil that Peter refers to is, is not only, it is, but it's not just something bad that somebody does or something evil that they do, but it refers to that badness or the evil itself. And so if, if somebody that is inherently evil does something evil to you, you should not try to get even with them. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek justice, all right? I think we should for whatever evil is committed against you. I think we should do that. And we have ways for that. But rather, you shouldn't try to enact the justice yourself. That's a lot different than the way that we would think about things, isn't it? You know, there is just something in human nature that, that makes us want to take revenge on somebody if they've done something to us, especially if that person committed uh, or that committed whatever evil deed it was is inherently evil himself. You know, we, we, we somehow find ourselves to, to forgive somebody easier if they're not inherently evil. They're, they don't have this pattern of evil 
They don't enjoy, necessarily enjoy the evil. It's somehow easier to forgive a person like that or, or, or not to take revenge on them than somebody that it's just a pattern of his life. Don't know why. You know, it's, it's like when you, when you realize that this person uh, just enjoyed whatever it was that they did, this, this evil, or they had no issue with their conscience, either before when they planned this evil deed, or while they were doing this evil deed, or even after that. Now, I can think of many things, and I'm sure you can as well, that fit into this category of evil. Uh, so I'm not going to uh, call out some examples on that, but you know, there's a reason why people like to watch movies, you know, where, where the basic plot is basically the main character just, you know, enacting revenge on a bunch of people, maybe a bunch of gangsters or whatever it may be, you know. We've, we've seen some movies of, uh, like that now the past few years again. Um, I'm not going to re- recommend anyone, so I'm not going <laughs> to call the movie out here. But he just wants to take out revenge. And throughout the entire movie, he's just serving up some street justice. Oh, man, we enjoy that. Why do we enjoy that so much, you know? The Lord says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't render evil for evil. That's not what he, he wants from us. You know, Romans 12 verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The Lord will make sure that justice is served, even if it is not in this life with this government or judges or whatever it may be. That's not a comment on what's going on here. It's just a fact. The Lord will make sure that justice is served. And so Peter says here, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Now we've looked at this railing before, you know, in the previous chapter. Um, And it's just a different uh, form of the word that is used for revile, as we see there in chapter 2, verse 23. Now this... This railing is like cursing or, or, or using some sort of abusive language towards somebody. And so we should not, not be returning evil deeds for whatever evil deeds somebody committed towards us. And to take it even further, we should not even return abusive language when somebody uses that against us. And like we saw a few weeks ago, Jesus was the perfect example of this, wasn't he? Uh, Let's turn to chapter 2, verse 23. Let's just read that quickly. Talking about Jesus here, Peter says, Who, when he was reviled, so that's the railing, all right? When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He never came out with threats. Oh, I'm going to wipe all of you out. (laughs) And he has the power to do that. Oh, well, just like that. He never threatened them. What did he do? But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He committed himself to God. Because in the end, God is going to make everything right. He will. So, all right. So, what is the right response if somebody is, uh, you know, acting that way towards us? Well, verse 9. He says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. (laughs) 
knowing that ye are there unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Wow. <laughs> Bless those that, 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 you know, do evil against you. Bless those that are railing against you, using all sorts of abusive language against you or threats or whatever it may be. We should give blessing. When, when evil is done against you or when somebody insults you or whatever it may be, you should not be returning the favor, right? Instead, we should repay them with a blessing. That's what God expects from us. Now, just shortly, there are a few ways that you can bless somebody. Um, you can pray for them to get saved. I think that's, that's a great way. Or if they are already saved, you can pray that God cleans them up. Because if they are saved, they have the Holy Spirit in, in them. And like, like you will know from your life, if you're saved here today, isn't that the work that the Spirit does in your life? He just cleans out the mess. That's a lifelong thing, you know, at, at least in this life. It, it just, it's a continual process. You can pray for that. You can love them unconditionally, like the Lord loved you before you were saved, when you were still a sinner. He died for you on the cross. When you were still a sinner, He loved you so much that He died for you on the cross. You can love them unconditionally. You know, if, if, if God's love was conditional in that way, I don't, I don't think Christ would have ever come down to die on the cross for us. I mean, what was there to love? <laughs> John 1 tells us that, um, oh, I'm probably going to butcher this now, but in, in, in John 1, John tells us that Jesus came to the world, to his own creation, and they didn't even know him. They didn't even want him. What was they to love? I, 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 yeah. But he did. He did. He loved us unconditionally. It was not based on those acts. He still loved us, and we can also love people that way. And it's going to be hard, folks. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It will be hard. I know some of you are thinking right now, how can I love that guy that did this or that against me or that woman? You are called to love them. Most of all, you can forgive those that persecute you. You know, Jesus did that. We just, we just read that, but, but do you remember what he, what he said on the cross when he was hanging there, blood coming out everywhere, ripped to shreds, being spat on, you know, being railed, you know, this railing going on and on, this abusive language, then mocking, mocking him, laughing at him while he's hanging there on the cross to die for the sins of mankind. He said, Father, forgive them. No, not what they do. He forgave those that tortured him, that mocked him, that reviled him. And they had the audacity to do that, even though he is the creator of everything. And he forgave them. Isn't that a great example of what we should be doing? And I pray that whenever we get the chance that we will be able to do that as well that we will be able to follow 
in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus to actually forgive. We are called, Peter says, to bless those that curse us because we have inherited a blessing from God Himself in that He forgave us after we have sinned so much against Him. Think back on before you got saved. <laughs> you know, uh, you know it's, it's, I don't think it's good to dwell on the past the whole time and think, oh man, I did all these sins. I mean, if, if you're saved, you've been forgiven. That's, that's done with. But maybe think back on that and think on how much He forgave you. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's a blessing that we got from Him. We, we had an enormous debt to repay Him for all of our sins. And none of us would have been able to do it. You know, we, we couldn't repay that debt ever. All right? that's, that's why the lake of fire goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. <laughs> all right? But just like He forgave our unimaginable debt, we should be ready to forgive those that sin against us. So, I know, like I said, this is easier said than done. I realize that. I'm, I'm also a man with, who said that, with like passions as you are, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any less true, does it? it uh, we, we, we can't erase this, this part in the Bible and all the other parts that talk about this very same thing. We can't do that. So, I, I would like to finish off with this question. And answer this for yourself. Don't, don't tell me the answer. But do you trust God? Do you really trust God? If we really trust Him, I think we should do things His way. Isn't that part of trusting? If I tell my little boy or girl, you know, do this or that, and if they trust Daddy, they will do it that way. Because I say, well, this will be the outcome. We should do things His way. And I think we should trust Him for the outcome on that. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray, and then we can get to meet each other outside. Father, this is really tough. <laughs> um, especially what we, what we just read here, Lord, in, in verse 9. Um, forgiving those and, and giving blessing towards those that, that sin against us, that do evil against us, Lord. But you've given us such a wonderful example. And I believe that for those that are saved here today, Lord, you are in us. And so, Lord, we ask that you will give us the strength to do that. Please, Lord. Please help us, Lord, as a church to care for each other. And not only for Bible Baptist Church, but for whoever, Lord, um, is a true believer, Lord. Help us to care for them. Help us to love them. Have compassion. Be pitiful. Be courteous, Lord. Help us to be of one mind. I sometimes think that is, that is perhaps the, the hardest part. <laughs> to change our minds, Lord. But you've given us your word and you, you wash our minds with your word and Lord, please, um, let us be in line with what you said. Help us to trust you in all things. And please be with us this, this entire day, Lord, and remind us of whatever we've learned, Lord, so that, so that we may apply it in our lives. 
thank you for all that you do. And we, we pray for the, the next service as well, Lord. We ask that you will please bless that and bless the fellowship right now. Uh, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.